Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. Yes, that's right. You have found us and we have found you. It is a match made in heaven. I'm Allie. Dr. James Simmons is with me and we are thrilled to chatty chat with you as we do every day. Uh, despite our insane busy schedules. James, how the hell are you? I am doing well this fine, lovely morning. Allie Johnson, how are you? Good. Did you get any sleep? I, I am. I'm not sure if you can tell in my voice. I have gotten a little bit more sleep. I feel uh-huh. better now. These these crazy work schedules are something and nights and days and left and right and backwards and forwards. And But that's all right. I am here for you. Drop the subject because we do it because we love it. And uh, <clears throat> the voice is better now. Do you lose your voice when you're working long shifts at the hospital? Because you're like, code five and three and red and blue. <laughs> code code five. What's code five? Answer code it. Five, code five is I need five more pieces of bacon in my breakfast. That's what code, <laughs> code five means. There is no code five. Uh, no, I tend not to. I tend to, although I do talk a lot at the hospital, I tend not to lose my voice. But I have since childhood. This is the most random thing. Whenever I'm like super tired or super excited or like whatever, there's just a lot going on in my life. Even if I don't feel bad, I sound bad. I get this like raspy hmm. thing. And it was really funny when I was like 10 because I still sounded like a smoking sorority girl in college. And now at 42, when my voice goes, I still sound like a smoking sorority girl in college. Well, you know, it's good to sound like a smoky sorority girl without the smoking. And yes. the the um, trend now, in at least in the voiceover world, is that sound. Uh, you know, when I first started doing voiceover it was all about sounding like this and now <laughs> it's about sounding like this where you're just like i don't care i just got back from vegas and i have no voice and i sound like this raspy chain smoker who goes really? to coachella and loses her voice every weekend yeah and that's what they want now is these that's that's the sound that they want. It's basically like to, the heroin look and modeling, but for voices. But with voices, that's supposed yeah. to make me want to buy something too, right? Like I, because yeah, the because voice, that, yeah, it really matters. It, it makes a big difference, right? When you're like, I'm relating to that voice, or that sounds like someone I know, or I trust that voice telling me mm-hmm. to buy this thing, or go to this place, or listen yeah. to the radio, right? But if you're like, ah, this girl is like whatever, like that would really really annoy me. Yeah, but you know, it also it's kind of that the barista or the bartender mentality where if they treat you like crap, suddenly you want the things that they're offering to you more. But if you're (laughs) really overly nice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you are a kid and you're looking at kids products, they just want everything to sound like this so that you can just be like, yeah, you get this cool skip it and it goes all around your feet. And you're like, whoa. (laughs) You're just like energy, energy, energy. And then the older you get, they're like, you have a home. You want insurance for your home. So buy insurance. And you're like, all right, this person gets me. They get how depressed and angry and upset and forlorn and, no, not hopeful for the future I am. They're just like, this is the thing that excites me the most, home insurance. Exactly. That's how it works. Well, uh, when we come back, we're going to take a little break. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. When we come back, we are going to get into Drop You have to, hold on. You can't just huh? do this in your regular alley voice. We've been talked about voices now for several minutes. You got to, if oh. you're going to tease the show, you got to tease it. Tease the kids with a voice, Allie. You got to, I mean, we, we haven't heard Holly in a while. You could do <laughs> Holly. We haven't. 
it's an election year, James. And the thing is that we have a choice to make. And it's important to vote. If you go to vote411.org, you can vote right now. I'll nice. take my shirt off if you do it. Because oh, that's oh. the thing now is celebrity nudity yeah. to get people Especially voting. with Holly Hunter. Yeah. Exactly. I would love to see myself naked. Uh, <laughs> when we come H. back, it's drop, drop the president. We're going to talk about political merch, and we're going to talk about Karen getting upset about some lawn signs. She might be from my hometown in Georgia. We'll get into that when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the president. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the subject. This is Holly Hunter and Allie Johnson. No, this is my horrible, horrible impression of Allie doing an impression of that. Holly Hunter, which is awful. But you are That's still fantastic. listening to Drop the Subject, I promise. I'm Dr. James. You like Simmons. lost your words. You're just voice. like, drop the <laughs> I was like, drop the, I don't know what we're doing. Um, I was trying to tell you all, listeners, one of the segments you love and we do too. It's Drop the President. Drop the President. Not only is Donald Trump or I guess Joe Biden trying to drop Donald Trump as the president, but... Karen is now getting into the act of trying to drop Joe Biden mm. as a, I was going to say contestant. Like it's a game show. I got game show Come on the top down, of my brain. Biden, hey, Biden. Come Biden. on down, Biden. Oh, it's yeah. taking him a while to get down here. It's okay. Because it, <laughs> he's 77 years old. <laughs> That's all right. Uncle Joe, you take your time, boo-boo. Yeah, you uh, take so your time. So listen. Freedom of expression is a thing, right? And so if you own property, you can put up signs that say who you support and what you love and what you think is right and blah, 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 all this stuff. Well, it doesn't mean that your neighbors have to necessarily agree with it. And when you live in a housing association and your neighbor is Karen, there might be some consequences for you putting up this sign. Karen doesn't like it one bit. No, she certainly does not. Let's just start with the beginning of this journey and we will ride it together. It starts with some ring doorbell footage and it starts like this. Hello, can I help you? I actually I want to talk to you. This is Elba. All right. So if you're if you're miss if you missed that, she rang the doorbell. The person who lives at this residence has answered and this Karen has identified herself as Zelda. I want to show you something. I'm sorry I can't come to the door right now. Get out your neighborhood by law. It's section 5.20. No sign shall be in the yard. If you don't take this Harris Biden down, I will sue you. All right. So now doing that thing where you can tell she's mad. No, yeah, it does Uh, have a certain timber, doesn't it? Where you just kind of lose like it goes from normal and you can hear it in the voice that it goes from normal to crazy. And Uh this is an interesting Karen move. She kind of flip flopped. Usually they ramp into. Did you know this law? Blah, 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 blah. She starts with those bylaws. She's already got the manual out. She knows which section it is. And she's very upset that there is a Biden-Harris lawn sign in her neighborhood. Well, because she's clearly been like ramped up for this, right? She has been preparing to talk to this neighbor for at least two weeks, right? She's like, I'm taking the laws over, the bylaws. I'm going to let let this stupid Biden-Harris supporter have a piece of my mind. And I was going to have you sell my house, but that's not going to happen now. And you're going to lose a lot of business because of this crap. You get out your neighborhood association bylaws. 
section 5.20. And now she's walking away. By the way, she's in a tie-dye long dress. Uh, you know, mm. the ones that are made of that kind of sweat material. And yep. uh-huh. she has a pink cap on and then sunglasses with those kind of felt chains attached to it. So um, it, it, I see a, a bit of a long bob, but it is covered up with the pink sun hat. Yeah. And this is, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised that this Karen went there, right? When you could just tell the look on her face when she's through the ring, when she rang the doorbell, that she had, you know, a very clear mission and she was going to make sure that this woman knew that she lost business because she put up a Biden-Harris sign and that is against association rules. Balaos. Yeah. Balaos. Balaos. And then she walks away very authoritatively. And hey, lawn signs will get people activated. I've, uh, you know, like I said, my wife and I have been looking into buying a home. We looked at a couple of houses and we uh, there was one that was in our price range. So we looked at it. And as soon as we pulled onto the street, it's one of those like townhome communities. Uh-huh. Uh, we pulled up to the house and across the street was a Trump Pence sign. So immediately oh. I was like, all right, let's just dock some points off of this house for that. But so, then uh, everywhere yeah. around <laughs> were a million Trump Pen- or um, Biden Harris signs and then like one of those signs that's like rainbow that says like we believe that love is love and this and science is real mm-hmm. and all that stuff and so mm-hmm. it was, there had obviously been like a lawn sign war happening where like <laughs> one person started it and it just uh-huh. seemed like ev- all hell broke loose at one point because every single house had a sign I was like that love it seems like it's like you know during halloween where you walk through one of those streets that like everybody does halloween but for politics uh-huh. yep yep and they're like we're we're gonna try to outdo each other i i love it you should jump right in by the house Allie. drop the subject the new channel q it's wednesday that's right which means it's gma time it's Allie and james it's drop the subject it's the new channel q and since it is wednesday we like to delve a little deeper into our gay culture by getting to know each other a little better. I get to ask James a question. James gets to ask me a question. And occasionally we like to share your questions. And this is a listener submitted question for both of us, James. Are you ready to hear it? uh, Am I ever? Let's go. Listener submitted question. So this question reads, since both of you are partnered up and have seemingly already made decisions about children... What would happen if one of if your significant other were to change their mind about kids? So I my my wife and I have uh, decided to have kids. We haven't started the process yet. We're just not being careful. Is what I like to say. <laughs> we're just gonna um, hope it happens. Allie, naturally. is this an ask the NP? Do we need to? <laughs> we need to have a conversation about the birds and the bees. I don't know why. Or the birds and the birds and the bees and the bees. I just keep, you know, I lie on my back afterwards. Just seem to do <laughs> you do. You're like, I do. <laughs> I put my legs in the air. I do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I am going to be the one to carry the kid. Katie does not want to be pregnant. And if she suddenly decided she didn't want to have kids, that would be just another Saturday for me. (laughs) (laughs) She changes her mind for one second about kids all the time. It really depends on what we're watching. Right now we're watching The Haunting of Bly Manor and there's a very cute little girl in it. So all she's thinking about is having kids. Then all we have to do is put on like, oh, I don't know, The Good Son or The Omen. 
And all of a sudden she doesn't want kids because she's afraid it's going to be a demon child. Well, so realistically, I, I don't mean, think she'll change her mind, but she does get nervous and overwhelmed and occasionally would not want kids. If she actually didn't want kids, I really don't know what I would do. I would. I don't think I'd be able to break off a marriage of a person that I like to a person that I've been with for 11 years over something like that. But then I also don't want to be 50 years old and regretting that I never had kids. Yeah, that's um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to, to, to answer that way. I, I do um, just have to say, I think your comparison of like, you know, the haunting of what is it? Bly Manor? Bly Manor. Bly Manor. And your comparison to like the devil child in the omen or like you're watching the shining you're like, oh, I don't want twin girls now <laughs> because that's not I'm yeah. sure that's not necessarily like a fair comparison. Right. Like little demon devil children. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think I would be OK with it. It would take. So Chris and I both wanted kids when we were younger. And now that we're we're not old, but we are older and we just have different priorities in our life right now. And we don't want kids. I think if Chris walked in the room right now and was like, babe, we need, I want it. Let's do it. Let's have kids. I would rally. I think I'd be okay with that because really? there's, well, there's still part of me that you'd be a good dad. Yeah, well, it seems like you're, you can handle a lot on your plate anyway. You know, you. like you're a guy that can handle, you can handle a lot. So it's not like you're, you're so overwhelmed by life already that you can't keep your S together for a kid. Like you'd work it out. Yeah. I think that's the thing, right? That's, that's kind of my approach to most things in life. Like, all right, we're just going to figure this out. And it would be lovely and wonderful. And I do really, you know, I think the do-gooder side of me is like, there are so many deserving kiddos out there who need good homes and and we have the resources to be able to provide that. And so sometimes there's actually a little bit of guilt about the fact that we don't do that. Um, but we do, you know, financially support lots of other members in our family, like youngsters, mm-hmm. like the nieces and nephews and stuff. So we do a portion of that. I just, the only thing that would be really, really difficult is that everyone I know who has kids, they... Even if they still travel, it's a different kind of travel. And travel is like yeah. the thing. You yeah. know, they talk about the one thing in your life and the one thing that keeps your relationship together and all these types of things. And I swear to God, ours, Chris and I's is travel. Like, we both are just like travel junkies. We love to travel. And, man, you just can't travel the same with kids, man. You really can't. Uh, okay, now I don't want to <laughs> Sorry, Allie. <laughs> Uh, it's true, but I don't know. I Machu Picchu uh, with the toddler, it's, sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, sure. Just toss them right yeah, on. No, 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 that's terrible. Uh, all right. When we come back, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we are gonna talk about someone did buy a house and then they found something valuable in the house, the empty house. Um, it was it was of of significant value, uh, five figures at least. Now, what this person did with that, uh, I I may have a slight problem with, and I want to <laughs> see if you agree. We'll talk about that when we get back. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. If you find something valuable and you don't know who the owner is, do you give it back? It's a what would you do situation. It seems like this would be a show that's on Bravo or Logo, but it's a real life scenario. Oh, it's it's on ABC. Right, that John Quinones or whatever, doesn't he do that show? Like, what would you do in these scenarios? Except they're like way, way, way 
more intense. They're not what you're about to describe, Allie, which is very interesting and poignant. But this is the one where you're like sitting in a restaurant and like neo-Nazis walk in and harass the black waitress. And then it's like being filmed and they're like, what would you do? Right. Yes. And then afterwards, they like shock everyone. And they're like, we were filming you and you're all racist. And you're like, ah. Yeah. But don't you think about that when you're in a restaurant and you hear a couple fighting or a man being mean to a woman and you're like, am I being punked or is this real? <laughs> is this is this on someone? This is being aired. Am this I in camera? For sure being aired. Right. Um, am I? <laughs> <laughs> my camera <laughs> this is a this is a different situation you're right it's not as it's not as high stakes as that but uh just take a listen because i i was kind of shocked at what this man did he found something valuable in a home that he had just purchased and i want to know your thoughts on it take a listen thousands of dollars hidden in the living room of a chicago home the new owner never expected to find the stash in the house he intended to renovate all new at 10. He tells her Tara Molina his next move was obvious. Okay. So he finds $10,000 in the living room of a home that he's just purchased. He says the answer is obvious. What do you think this man did? This is a really tough one because if you're, I mean, you're buying a home, you're about to renovate it. You probably put in a crap load of money to buy this home and then you know you're about to put a crap load of money into the renovated mm-hmm. i mean and ten thousand dollars can go a long way to upgrade a kitchen right like that is a huge huge amount of money yeah it's like half However, a counter right it's like it's like one third of an eighth of a marble counter <laughs> yeah it if i will say though because this is making headlines my guess is he did something do-goodery with it. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I donated mm-hmm. this ten thousand dollars to you know to that ocean spray skateboarder. Workers. Right. That guy that won't go anywhere wearing his Lakers jersey. Oh, after my they God. Yeah. Enough with that guy. OK, let's continue. Yeah. Shocked. How he felt when he found five envelopes packed with almost $10,000 hidden throughout this room. Behind Ooh. the couch, there were two uh, bankers um, withdrawal envelopes. So I think she felt that her safest place for her money was kind of hidden around the house. OK. Um, this is a dream come true. You you find I, I, this is like the equivalent of somebody knocking on your door and handing you one of those giant checks. Uh, it's I mean, the fact that you spent money on a house. And yes, this guy buys houses all the time. So he knows what it's like. Oh, cool. I'm a house flipper whatever. Uh, you know, to buy a house and to spend the money on that house and then get into an I'm empty in. house and see not one envelope, but tons of envelopes full of money. I would be. Crying, hugging, celebrating, spraying champagne. <laughs> because it's yours, right? Because this is it where is I'm... mine. <laughs> some here, some there, and more behind an old photo hanging on the wall. It's kind of surreal. I thought it might be like being on some kind of can or like TV sh- reality TV show. Ah! <laughs> like, but when he shook the shock off, he says his next steps were obvious. Returning it, ah! the former owner and her oh, family. Oh, dun, 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 Allie. Want, you know the he returned uh, it. You're saying you wouldn't return it? I mean, you're saying you, of course, you would because you're a good person. I'm <laughs> no, just saying I'm he said the say- answer was obvious. <laughs> I would have so many conversations about this, and then I would probably choose to keep it and feel bad about it. And my and my wife would probably bring it up every single year, and then that would be the that would be how it worked out. But I would have new countertops. You, you would, right? And you'd think about it every time. <laughs> every time I put an omelet on that counter, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> I screwed those people over. Now, I, I don't know what I would do in the same situation, <laughs> the but he gave it back. The reward going to give. Instead, 
asking the woman who lived more than 50 years of her life in this living room to pay it forward in a time where just about everybody could use a little help, or at the very least, a reminder. I think there are good people in the world, and I'm not the only one that would have done the same thing. All right. Well, he's such a good person. Very exciting. Good job. And he gave it back, and then she paid it forward. So uh, I guess there are good people in the world, as this man says. I guess maybe I'm not one of them. We uh, will be right back with more Drop the Subject after this. Dr. John joins us next. this story to know that. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. It is time for your weekly wake-up call with Dr. John Paul Higgins and Dr. John. You know what? I don't think we give you enough credit sometimes when we do this. Dr. John is an educator, an activist. You see Dr. John on TV. You hear Dr. John on radio. You can watch Dr. John's TED Talk on the interwebs. You see Dr. John's writing in national publications. You are a voice (laughs) that needs to be heard. We are so uh, blessed and honored and thankful that you spend time with us every week uh, to continue our conversations about race. Sometimes they are comfortable. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. they are not. Dr. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always so excited and, and thankful to be here. We are very thankful to have you as well. So today, <laughs> this is something that I I did not know, just had such a nice, cozy, tight little name called mm-hmm. Black Fatigue. Yeah. And I was trying to describe this concept to someone recently, and I was like, you know, sometimes I just get tired and it's not on us to have to teach white folks how to do right. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, sometimes I'm tired of being the tokenist. Sometimes I'm tired of being the only person who says these things. And why am I? Yes, I'm feeling good. Why am I the person who has to have this conversation with this person again? And I was like, why am I feeling some kind of way? And I can't describe it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, this I came across this concept of black fatigue and I was like, oh. That, that's yeah. exactly what this is. So break it down for the kids listening uh, a little bit, sort of high level. What is black fatigue? And then we'll dig a little deeper. Yeah. So black fatigue, it's very interesting because, you know, I have had moments even before I actually knew what the terminology was myself, where I would be laying like on my couch and I'd be like, I am so tired. And, you know, and then there's moments where someone would say, okay, we'll take a nap. And so then you take a nap and you still wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm still tired. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's ultimately what black fatigue is. It's this notion of all of the oppressive forces that kind of work against the systematically. I think about it from a systematic level, right? So even thinking like I even I had used this and as an example and I hope that this resonates with people that that I oftentimes when I you know I'm doing talks or I'm doing speeches I will ask people when we're talking about race what's the first thing that they think about when they get in their car and many people will answer oh putting on my seatbelt or making sure I have my phone ready to go with the directions and all of that and I'm even thinking to myself I don't really even think about any of that I'm always thinking about where my bag is in my car right so that way I don't have to reach for it if I'm ever pulled over that's what black fatigue is. Black fatigue is always having to be worried or concerned or focused on what experience you might have because of your race or because of your your, your racial makeup or background. And so I think that that's really what it is. is it, what it encompasses is this notion that you're always centered on it. And, and for folks that are probably thinking, well, why are Black people always talking about race? Why are Black people always having this conversation? Or why are they always engaging in this conversation? Or why are they making themselves tired by having this conversation. It's really thinking about the ways that we can't get away from 
not being able to have this conversation. Like I don't have the option to turn my black off on the days that I don't feel like dealing with racism or, or whatever different isms that live around being black. So I think that's what black fatigue is in a nutshell is this constant notion of knowing that your blackness will always be at the, the front or the, 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 the center of every single thing that you do and how exasperating that can be. Black fatigue is the physical and psychological toll on black people's daily lives as a result of systemic racism. Thank mm-hmm. you, uh, Mary Frances Winters, who wrote a book called Black Fatigue. That is her mm-hmm. definition of it, but it, it nails it spot on. You bring up an interesting point that often, even in the conversations that we are having now, since the, you know, the killing of George Floyd in May and everything that has happened this year in these fantastic conversations, you still have folks say things like, why is it always about race with Black folks. And sometimes right. they'll say it in a nicer way, right? Sometimes they'll say, well, why, why are you always talking about race? Or why, why is this thing feel racist or racial to you? I don't, I don't see it there. And you, you bring, you, it's such a brilliant point, Dr. John, when you're saying, well, I can't turn my blackness off and I'm living in the society that's not built for me. And I want to dig in a little bit more to that concept. When we come back, of course, it's always too short. It's never enough time. Uh, you're listening to Drop the Subject with Dr. John Paul and Dr. James Simmons right now. Allie Johnson, we'll be right back. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. Drop the Subject, Allie Johnson, Dr. John Paul, it's your weekly wake-up call. We are talking about black fatigue, which is a very, very real concept. We have the official definition of this. Black fatigue is the physical and psychological toll on black people's daily lives as a result of systemic racism. And Dr. John, you brought up this point about other individuals, and let's just call it what it is. When white folks talk about how, well, not everything is racial. Not everything is always about race. Why, you know, if you're so tired of talking about racism, why are you talking about racism then? And you brought up, well, I can't turn it off. It, it never is. And I wonder if you could dig into that just a little bit more for folks and sort of helping understand how, you know, looking through a different set of eyes, experiencing the world in, in a different color of skin, it doesn't just flavor your experience. It, it defines the experience as you move through this world that we're living in right now. Right. As soon as you started talking about this, the only thing I could think about is I think it was either episode three or episode four of Lovecraft Country. And really just thinking about it, and I know that the conversation is not about that, but when you watch the show, the show frames this Black fatigue in a very interesting way, specifically thinking about one of the characters, Ruby, and how what her experience looks like as a Black woman moving around a town where racism is very, very prevalent. And I think about that experience and specifically bringing it back to now about this idea that everywhere I go, even when it's not mentioned, race is still a factor. Um, When you think about this idea of me going to the bank or me going to get gas or me going to, you know, simply to just my, I'm simply minding my business and it feels like I have to constantly answer for what I'm doing or or why I'm in certain spaces or certain places. Um, I can even think about this idea of just walking around where I live, this idea that, you know, folks looking at you like, do, do you have the right to live here or do you you know i don't know if you've heard those stories mm. or if you've seen those stories about black people you know they're walking around their apartment or condo complexes and people asking them do you live here sure. this is just a, a reality for everyone where you are constantly made to feel like even when no one is 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 inadvertently talking to you about it your blackness will always be at the front of the conversation because of the way that systematic uh, oppression and white you know the the idea of white supremacy um how it 
it moves and how it works. While I'm saying all of this, I think what's extremely important to note is how intentional this idea of white supremacy is to make Black people fatigued. Because what's the first thing that happens when you're too tired to fight, right? You mm, give up. You stop fighting. And so, right. so that's that's intentional. So I think about it, right? What are the different ways that society is continuing to work against Black people to exhaust them or to make them tired or to make them feel like they have to give up? And I think that that's something we have to step back into and ask, where does white fragility play a role into that where white people are saying, well, why are we not having the conversation about it? My question is, is to white people, why are you not talking about it and saying, hey, what can we do to make sure that any of the Black individuals that I know personally or even just in my work area to feel like they can rest or that they can be at peace, right? I think about that often. I, I just wonder when is it enough or when will we ever have a space to be able for Black people to fully rest um, without having to worry about the, the different oppressions. And I think that's what Black fatigue is, this notion of never being able to rest because the system won't let you. Uh, my partner who's white has mm-hmm. asked, you know, why, why are Black folks different when around other Black folks? And why, why is there this craving to sometimes just be around black people and, and not in a, like a, in a mean sort of way, just in a, like trying to understand. And it just, I'm not sure I ever really explained it very well, but you, I think you <laughs> hit it on the head there. It is, it's one of the few times where you can get really close to feeling like you can rest, particularly yeah. for black queer folks, right. Being mm-hmm. around other black queer folks. Mm -hmm. I think about even just a couple of months before the pandemic, when we all went out to lunch, it was me, you and a few of our peers. And Mm -hmm. just the laughter was different in that space, right? Um, This idea that because of policing and because of the ways that Black bodies are seen in society, that you can't be your authentic self. And I know we've had conversations about cold switching in the past, but I think about this idea of how it's almost like you have to put on a mask and you can't fully breathe when you have that mask on from day to day. That's ultimately what Black fatigue is, is that notion of what what would it feel like if every single day I wasn't able to fully breathe? And I don't think that people fully actualize that there are moments where Black people are literally moving through the world and holding their breath. And when you ask the question, well, why does everything have to be about being Black? I would reframe that question and say, why is it that we're not talking about the, 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 the ways that society hasn't allowed Black people to fully actualize and be themselves? I'm uh, constantly reminded by my father, uh, who is the black side of my family, um, when it when it is okay for me to take my shoulders down out of my ears mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. and just relax. And it's a it's a thing he's told me for a long time, but a, a very interesting concept. Doctor John, always never enough time ever. We need to we need to have you on every single day. I swear. Uh, you can follow Doctor John Paul at Doctor John J O N Paul P A U L, all spelled out, all over social media and at drjohnpaul.com. Doctor John Paul, thank you so much. We will see you next week see you then drop the subject the new channel q drop the subject presents news it or lose it you heard that right it's your favorite segment and mine news it or lose it we have a combined four headlines ali has two i have two and we get to decide which one we news and we talk about for your listening pleasure. And the other one we get rid of and never speak of again. Dun, dun, dun. Allie, are you ready for your two headlines? I'm ready. HBO just greenlit a Green Lantern TV series, and it's going to be like way gay. Oh, hmm. that's fantastic. And I think I have what I need, so I'm going to lose it. But I look forward to that. Fine. The headline that you will hear about eventually 
Tourist returns stolen artifacts to Pompeii oh, after okay. suffering curse for 15 years. Yes, I heard about this. I cannot wait to talk about it. All right. Yes. James, here is your first headline. A string of hotels is offering a cornucopia package so that you can have Thanksgiving with your extended family. I don't like the word cornucopia, so I'm going to lose it. <laughs> you don't like the word cornucopia? Cornucopia. It's a quarantine. It's a cornucopia package. I, I mean, I get it. It sounds super cute um, and good for them. It's cornucopia, James. Qu- qu- but James. But James, it's cornucopia. <laughs> Allie, do you want to talk about cornucopia? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. Oh, okay. Uh, the I'm good for this hotel for being creative, but I'm going to lose it. Womp, womp. Okay, we're losing that, and we're going to talk about the new iPhone. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my dinger, dinger, binger clangers off today. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It happens to a lot of guys. <laughs> hey Wait a minute. Uh, all right. Here's what's going on with the iPhone 12. There are several options. Uh, Of course, this was another day of Tim Cook and many others walking around in cavernous, gigantic rooms in the Apple campus. And we just go, wow, those people are so wealthy. And then they tell us about, you know, all the products that we want (laughs) for Christmas. This phone we can't afford. By the way, side note, uh, Hans so-and-so, some big, big muckety-muck with Apple, kind of went viral on Twitter. Did he have a moose knuckle? Mm, more or less. <gasps> Whoa! Really? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't full on like Ben Weirda moose knuckle, but it was like it was as if he was very excited to be on stage. We'll just put it that way. Okay. Well, can't wait to yeah. check that out. Yeah, it's funny because all I can think of when I watch these Apple announcements is these. All these people are so rich. All of the people <laughs> that are walking across the screen are so, so rich. rich. And they are telling me about the products. Of course, it was the big iPhone 12 announcement. They have the iPhone 12 Pro, which is a 6.1 inch screen. That's a thousand bucks. They've also got the Pro Max, which is bigger. It's a 6.7 inch display. And then there is the uh, iPhone 12 Mini, which starts at $699. And it's they say it's the smallest phone that they've made since the iPhone 5. So if you wow. are not a size queen and it doesn't matter the size or you want something that's a little smaller, um, this is your option. Isn't it weird seeing an iPhone 5 now? <laughs> you see, like my right. father-in-law has a, a 5 and it just looks like it looks like I could just flush it down the toilet. I'm just yeah. like, my God, this thing is so teensy. It's almost painful, too. You're like, how do you do anything on that? Exactly. Um, all right. So speaking of not being able to do anything on a five for or for 15 years, this poor lady, a Canadian woman, don't you know, uh, she returned five artifacts back to the archaeological park of Pompeii. She took these artifacts in 2005, Allie, when she was... She said she was young and dumb. She wanted to have a piece of history that couldn't be bought, according to the woman. But since she took those items in 2005, oh my gosh, she's had uh, significant financial trouble with her family. This is not even something to like laugh about. Two bouts of breast cancer resulting in a double oh mastectomy. Um <gasps> All these other things, car accidents and like missing friends. Um, She's like, we're really good people. I don't want to pass this curse on to my family, my children or myself anymore. Please forgive my careless act that I did years ago. And this is in line with over the years, hundreds of people have taken things from Pompeii and returned them back with similar stories saying I've had horrible luck. Yes. This is a thing. Allie, have you ever been to Pompeii? Quick. 
No. Okay, so not. we we got to go. It, it's it is as amazing as you think it is. But they tell you they are like, don't touch anything. Don't take anything as tempting as it is because it's tempting because you're all up in the mix and you're like, I just want this little piece of like volcano. I'm gonna take it with me. And they're like, don't take it with you. And then you hear all these stories about people who are cursed when they just couldn't follow directions. Well. I think in general, I know we have to go, but I think there should be more curses. I just think it's a great way to teach lessons to people. So anyone who's like, from you know, spirits from like thousands of years ago, um, you know, tourists do horrible things to landmarks and yep. things that have been around for generations and years and years and years. And, you know, the bit of traveling that I've done, it's so frustrating to sit there and watch that happen, even though there are a million signs saying don't do it. So bring on the curses. It seems to be the only thing that works. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. Allie Johnson, Dr. James Simmons. The, uh, oh boy. The confirmation hearings for, oh boy, right. Uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett to be potentially the next Supreme Court Justice. Um, are ongoing now. And yesterday was uh, something of a a fire spark, if you will, in terms of LGBT uh, rights and where specifically she lands on those. Senator Dianne Feinstein, of course, uh, from California, Feinstein, uh, asked very specifically, she said, you have said for a long time, uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, that you, your political philosophy aligns with that of Justice Scalia, who she used to clerk for, who dissented in the Doma and Oberfell rulings. So those allowed LGBTQ folks the right to marry uh, and not be discriminated against in the workplace on a five to four margin. Well, now all of a sudden we have a four to four court right now, essentially for being conservative, for being more moderate to liberal. And this would swing her, swing it back to 5-4 and in some cases even 6-3. When asked this question about where she stands on LGBTQ issues, she actually had the audacity to bring up the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in saying that Ruth set a precedent for not giving any hints, not getting any, giving any previews of where one stands politically in this confirmation hearing process. So because Ruth set the precedent for that and other justices have followed it since, she's going to follow in Ruth's footsteps and not give any previews, not give any clues as to where she stands politically. This coming from a woman who has been paid to give speeches um, with an organization that is actively anti-LGBTQ called the Alliance Defending Freedom. So we think we know where she stands and she found a really convenient way to not have to say it publicly. Well, and she she hasn't she said like, oh, I'm going to go by. Oh, I have it right here. So she said, when I write an opinion resolving a case, I read every word from the perspective of the losing party. I ask myself how I would view the decision if one of my children was the party I was ruling against, even though I would not like the result. Would I understand that the decision was fairly reasoned and grounded in the law? The thing is, if you focus on the law, the law is very biased depending on who you are so you can say this was grounded in the law but it also can be grounded in your opinion absolutely and she's considered she's considered to be a traditionalist so she's very much considered to be uh, someone who interprets the constitution and the amendments and the bill of rights and all those things as written at the time when they were written 
And and right. there is unfortunately ramifications from that, right? The country has changed. We have moved forward politically. We certainly have moved forward in terms of rights of individuals who, I don't know, aren't white and, I don't know, don't have a penis. So... Uh, or at least identify as male is a better way to say that. And so now, you know, there are things that have were written into the Constitution that she's allowed to do, like become a potential Supreme Court justice and vote that if she were an actual traditionalist, she would not actually have those rights. But so what's scary is that because she has fashioned herself as a traditionalist and has a historical precedent of that in her lower court rulings, Everyone's scared that she's going to be a part of this movement now with a six to three conservative bench to eliminate Roe v. Wade, because that was a sort of interpretation of constitutional law, as well as LGBTQ rights, rights for women, um, even rights for some individuals who are undocumented, etc. This could be really, really devastating. So I'm going to ask a dumb question. I don't even know if you know the answer, but. Are we able to just take things that have already been decided and decide on them again? That's what I don't understand about cases like Roe v. Wade and cases like the one for gay marriage. Are we able to just, all right, well, that was decided on and we made that legal, but let's just kick it up again and decide all over again. How does that work? So I'm I'm obviously not a legal expert, but what happens is, no, those very specific decisions, we can't change or reverse those. But there are other types of lawsuits in lower courts that are making their way up through the uh, circuit and the appellate courts. Once they reach the Supreme Court, it can be a slightly different decision. So instead of Roe suing Wade this time or vice versa, it can be a person suing Planned Parenthood. And those new rulings can then change what currently happens, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Uh, Well, uh, we will, of course, let you know uh, and keep you posted on everything that's going on with the confirmation hearings this week. Until then, we'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. And just like that, it is time to say goodbye. It is Drop the Subject. It's Allie and it's Dr. James. We bid you adieu. It's time to close up shop. Close up shop. Close up shop. Close up shop. If you missed anything, you missed an update on all things SCOTUS. You missed a conversation with Dr. John Paul about black fatigue, which is so real, I'm sure. Um, God, I cannot imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about how tired many people are this year and always. And then you think about uh, people like yourself, James, people in the black community who must be more tired than ever. And it's just uh, so if you miss that, definitely check it out on the podcast. You can hear it. Always learn a lot from Dr. John and always appreciate talking to them. The gay MA we did, and we talked about a Karen getting very upset about a, a Biden-Pence lawn sign in her neighborhood. Uh, we talked about, uh, we, we did a little Holly Hunter. So there's all kinds of things speckled <laughs> in throughout the show today for you to check out. Just download that podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast. And of course, you can always follow us on the socials at DTSShoe. One of the things we are trying to highlight here on DTS Show is... Voting and to remind you how mega, muy, ultra importante it is for you to vote 20 days out from the election. And if you have questions about whether or not you registered, how voting works in your area, vote411.org. We are partnering with them as radio.com and as Channel Q. So you can always go there for voting resources. We also are highlighting dumb things that people are able to do. Uh, like voting or like signing a petition. So if you can do this dumb thing, you certainly can vote. And uh, yesterday's dumb thing was, uh, what was it? A uh, hundred thousand people. Pizza. 
Yep, had signed a petition for Taco Bell not to get rid of the Mexican pizza. If you have time to sign that petition, 100,000 people, you have time to vote to keep our democracy intact and decide the future of your community and the country. Allie, what is our dumb petition today? Well, every year this petition goes around. Every single year it gets thousands of signatures. And every single year it goes nowhere. So I understand people's frustration, but... Changing Halloween to the last Saturday of the month is something that we hear about constantly. Of course, October 31st, our, uh, Halloween night, is on the last Saturday of the month this year. So it would potentially be the most fun Halloween ever. We're but all going to go out and party. Plans. And we're going to like pack the bars. No. I'm going to be in my cute little like, ah, oh, wait. Uh, no, it is going to be the saddest, Another most virtual Zoom Halloween happy ever hour or something. Saturday oh, night. God. Oh, my God. And a full moon. Uh, and yeah, a full I understand. Moon. Oh, thank it's God fr- I'm not working that night because the full moon thing in hospitals is very real, by the way. Really? Oh, oh my God. That We'll talk about that later. But full moon, Halloween, <gasps> working in a hospital is a hot effing mess. <laughs> so people just feel like they want an extra while out on a full moon? And they, they don't feel it. They do it. People get weird sicknesses. There's weird traumas. There's all kinds of weird really? stuff. You don't want to work in, a, in a, an emergency room on Halloween anyway. You definitely don't want to work when the full moon is a weekend. And that fact that that is a combo, every person working in healthcare on that day and night and the day after should get hazard pay. It's awful. No way. That is oh, fascinating. It's a thing. Well, if you can vote or petition to make the uh, Halloween night on the last Saturday of the month, you can definitely vote. You can vote uh, for city council. You can vote in your district. You can vote for the president of the United States. I mean, all of these things, especially with, um, you know, all of the protests that have been going on, all of the changes that could be happening in your specific city. Now, I think it's more important. Um, than ever to to really pay attention to those things and read through them. You know, you all get the pamphlets where it's like, all right, what about this district and this district? And you're like, I don't know who any of these people are. Well, it's important to read about that stuff and actually learn who is who because you can create change in your city, in your county, in your state, and therefore in the country. And it, it, it just spreads from there. And you, you really have to focus on the things that are near and dear to you, right? Everyone's talking about, and we this is what we've talked about, like ad nauseum, right? The presidential election. But the people who influence the, the things that go on in your community really, really impact you on a personal level. And there are people like Judge Amy Coney Barrett who got on ballots just because people didn't know the judges they were voting for in their local areas. And they just were like, I don't know, that name sounds nice. I'll vote for that judge. Well, now you have this person who could be potentially taking away or part of a system that might take away our rights. So uh, pay attention to those things. Read up on the propositions. Read up on your local elected officials. Those are, I think, even more important than voting for the president. But you still must vote for the president. Please, God in heaven, get out there and (laughs) vote. Vote Vote411.org. Do it. Yes, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.